Greetings, and indeed, salutations. Welcome back to the Silence is Golden podcast, your home for silent film. I'm Brett Odom. And I'm Bryce Odom. And today, we're talking about Douglas Fairbanks' swashbuckling masterpiece, The Mark of Zorro. You know, he was shorter than I expected. Thank you, Master Skywalker. You're welcome. Uh, these, these, the star. We apparently have to work a Star Wars joke in today, but of course, of course, we do. Uh, well, may the force be with us today as we talk about one of the movies that certainly Star Wars does owe a thing or two. Any any sword uh, sword film owes a uh, sword adventure film owes a great debt of gratitude debt of gratitude to Douglas Fairbanks's career. Which began to transition from a more comedic actor to the iconic swashbuckling actor of the silent age. And you can really see both of those in this movie. And I think that combination sets the tone for what a swashbuckling movie is, that term, that I think is still valid today. Yeah. Uh, and that is seen in the fact that this film is iconic. Uh, of course, it's based on the novel. Uh, uh, that gave us Zorro, uh, and the, oh no, oh no, I've forgotten the name of the book, Bryce. So, uh, why don't we write these things things down? Why don't we write these things down? See, all right, I'm gonna, all right, you're gonna look it up, I'm gonna see if I can, uh, think of it. All right, there we go. The, is it The Curse of Castriano? The Curse of Castriano, that is indeed Thank it. you! There we Thank go. Thank you! The Curse of Castriano. We always think... Capistrano. Capistrano. Oh, oh, there we go. We always, the so Curse of Capistrano close. gave us one of the great American adventure creations, Zorro. Though the costume for Zorro apparently comes from the movie and not really the first book. Very... Uh, this is quite true. And, again, and we overcredited, not only is Zorro the character iconic, but this film was remade twice, starring mm-hmm. both Tyrone Powers in the 40s and in the 70s, Franklin Jella. Of course, it came back to the big screen. And don't forget the six, uh, the nineteen sixties Disney show either. Absolutely, uh, another another great incident. And of course, it came back to the big screen in the nineties with the iconic Mask of Zorro. That is such a great movie. Honestly, such a fantastic movie. I now want to watch it after watching this film. Uh, but it's also the beginning of the swashbuckling tradition. This is the first of several films that Fairbanks did that I turned him into the iconic sword adventure actor. I mean, to when we get to the talkies, of course the guy who's going to become um, synonymous with swashbuckling film is Errol Flynn. And Tyrone Power as and well. And Tyrone Power who played, who plays who, Rose, uh, but, played Zorro. But obviously Errol Flynn is, is the huge name. And when you think of it, you know, Errol Flynn says some witty line, puts his hands on his hips, and throws his head back and laughs. You can see that coming right from this film. It's a hundred percent Douglas Fairbanks begins that pose and action. And then, of course, why we owe such a great debt to Douglas Fairbanks, why we chose to talk about him in this role. You know, he he not only gave us the uh, the mark of Zorro here. He also, in short order, would give us Robin Hood. He would give us The Thief of Baghdad, which is based on Thousand and One Arabian Nights. The whole adventure genre is created by this man mm-hmm. uh, with his, as you put it, his, jo- his ability to create a jovial expression, laughter and laugh in the face of danger. Uh, as we all, of course, do. As we all, of course, do. Uh, and so... Fairbanks really creates the boot, uh, this role and this uh, genre 
And it's that into which Errol Flynn and Tyrone Powers will later step into, and then the whole host of adventure stories and actors who come after them. Mm-hmm. So this so this movie and this actor are really genre-defining uh, uh, defining aspects. And tragically, unlike some of the others we've talked about, this is really one of those silent film actors, though, who does find his career just rapidly over the moment they introduce uh, talking uh, to the film. His career, his last film would be in 1934, uh, fairly shortly after the age of talkies began. Mm. So this really was... That's a shame. Yeah, so so this is really one of the great silent film stars, and that's... That's where it ended for him. I have I have no record anywhere of it being something about his voice, as Billy Act, but you can see that he is one of those great actors who could act with his face. Oh, and yeah. sometimes those skills don't translate well to talkies, which have a different kind of acting. Yeah, and, and the other thing that makes it amazing that he doesn't make the transition. Now, obviously, that's going to be about fifth, you know, fourteen years later is his last film. This was nineteen twenty. Um, but Douglas Fairbanks does a lot of great stunt work in this movie. Um, I mean, he leaps over, he leaps over a donkey at one point just for the sake of leaping over a donkey. He swings from ropes and balconies, he swords fights constantly, of course. Uh... Sword fight now. Sword fighting choreography is going to improve. Uh, God, 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 thank, uh, bless it because God. Th- this knows was not it. duel of the fates. <laughs> no. Star Wars reference number two. It, no, it was not the um, our fr- our friends who are involved in such things uh, would have been looking at this, going, "My God, what are they doing?" <laughs> it's still compelling. Don't get us wrong, but sword fighting has come a long way uh, on screen. Um, Bryce, why don't you tell us a bit about the actual film itself? Okay, um, and I, I think we've done we've done this before with a couple other movies like Hunchback and um, Fame of the Opera, where we can't help really but compare it to the remakes that came later. Um, and so the first thing I th- that really jumps out to me as you go through this movie is the very beginning of the movie, and this is where we'll start our summary. Of course, is that um, the nineteen forties version of this film starts with Don Diego being in Spain and being called home and you see him come up with the plot of being the dan- of acting the dandy to keep everyone from suspe- uh, suspecting him and then he uh, of course becomes Zorro uh, as the secret identity we start um, much more in media res. In yeah, original we, telling. We, Zorro is already created at the beginning of this. In fact, our first scene is we're in the ta- in a tavern, which we will revisit multiple times in the movie, and a Spanish soldier comes in, kind of uh, dejected, and he sits down, and one of his uh, uh, comrades looks at his face, and there is a Z scratched onto his cheek, yes. and it says. And they tell you this man attacked a a native for no uh, no cause, and Zorro came to his rescue and left his mark on his cheek. And uh, a somewhat com- comedic relief, not as badly comedic relief as the similar character in like the um, uh, in the nineteen forties movie, but a guy who's Sergeant Gonzalez, and he is a little drunk, and he uh, and he is saying. 
Zoro's lucky that he hasn't re- met swords with him because he would take out Zoro. And he goes on for a while about how big this is. And then suddenly someone brings in the wanted poster. And this lets you know really how big a menace that Zoro is. They're offering 10,000 pesos for the uh, uh, for Zoro, dead or alive. And as it's all going on, Don Diego uh, comes in and is a dandy. He's very foppish. There's nothing really tough about him. He's not even carrying a sword. Wipes the sweat away from his face. Came in carrying an umbrella. And he, ha- I have to say, he has this slouch that is just like offensive to the eyes. It's so bad. Like something about the way he slouches just makes me oh, angry. Yeah, he, Every time he's in his foppish pers- alter ego. Oh yeah, he, he looks lazy like a lazy bum. Um... Man-child. Yes, man-child is a good description. Uh, anyway, so, uh, but Gonzalez says, oh, we're about to go get him. Uh, first thing in the morning, we know where he, we know what town he's in. We're going to go get him. We're going to get this award, uh, reward. And Diego toasts him to a, a meeting with Zorro in the morning, and maybe a short one. Uh, of course, double meeting. Uh, that we don't know is the audience yet, if you don't know the story. Uh, so... Uh, Diego, Don Diego says his goodbyes and the drunken Spanish soldiers are all getting ready and one says, well, look, if you want to fight Zoro, just attack one of these natives who are in here who are the workers in the bar and one of them does just, and Gonzalez uh, does. He goes over and beats the crap out of one of the natives and what happens? Literally Zoro walks into the room and all the Spanish soldiers are like, wait, that really worked, and he locks all the windows, all the doors, and proceeds to intimidate all the soldiers with his pis- drawn pistol, because none of them had their pistol uh, drawn, and shoves them over into a corner, basically, and tells Gonzalez, pick up your sword and bring it here. And they get into a fight, he humiliates Gonzalez, draws a Z on, uh, on, his, uh, on his rear end, and uh, eventually, leave, uh, eventually leaves. And then Zoro rides home, and we've discovered, oh my goodness, it's Don Diego. What a shock, the what fop? Sh- what? The dandy? No. Oh, he is in fact the great Zoro. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Shocked to find gambling going on here. We're just um, referencing all the other movies. Yes, we were referencing all the movies. And so, anyway, we discovered Diego is now the is actually Zoro, uh, and he... Uh, Proceeds to, well, be Zorro. But first, also, is we are introduced to the uh, to the lady of the film, his love interest. Um, and her family is unable to... Um, uh, they've... Uh, they're basically near broke. That's... Um, and the... Uh, sorry, I didn't say the name. Polito uh, family... Uh, they need to marry their daughter off to someone with money, and so they decide they're going to try and marry their daughter Lolita off to Don Diego, who is the most eligible bachelor and wealthy bachelor in the town. So they arrange for her t- uh, for him to come over and meet him, uh, meet her uh, for him to come meet her, and he does. Uh, it's a disaster. It is hard to watch because everything he says is an insult. Um, oh. Yes, my father wants me to marry. It's such a nuisance. I will. My manservant is a great guitar player. I will send him over tonight to play a song, a song underneath your window. I won't be at my townhouse, but you are welcome to come see us how richly it is furnished. 
Yep, you can stay there while I'm at while I'm at the hacienda. Um, and so just not a good. And keeps trying thing. to do like magic tricks or toy tricks. Oh yeah, he's a lot of sleight of hand, which is actually really good foreshadowing because everything about him is actually, in fact. Sleight of hand. But it, but given the emphasis like toys with it, yeah. you know, this is why I call him a man child. He seems shadow puppets. Have and, you seen this one? parachute toys. He's not really sleight of hand. It's more like, it's more... Misdirection. It's it's more toys and yes. tinkering. And again, kind of, he seems very much like an overgrown child. Yes. I, I use uh, sleight of hand or misdirection because not, all the toys and tricks that he does, though, none of them are what they seem. It's a shadow. The hand's... Shadow Puppet. Mm -hmm. um, there's magic tricks, obviously. There's, oh, see this? Oh, it's a parachute. Um, again, so I think it's a good phrase. I think it's the, good, the right phrase to use here. Uh, anyway, so this, uh, so he's met the girl, and he loves the girl. So, but he obviously doesn't need to give up his foppish appearance, so he leaves, and then he immediately comes back to her balcony as Zorro. Uh, sweeps her off her feet. She's in love with Zorro, not Don Diego. Um, and he he has some great romantic lines here. I mean, they're over the top, but, I mean, for Bears a silent film. a rose in the garden. Oh, it's, no. Or a rose, uh, no, you, you he would not dare. You would not dare compare her to a rose. She's yeah. so much better. Uh, if he could command all the, the geography of California to bow down to her, he would. Of course, though, um, no one knows that this is Don Diego, so her father sends forth the cops. <laughs> yeah, her father... Great first date. Uh, and so the cops come, um, and they run Zorro off. We also get introduced to our, really, probably our main villain, uh, Captain Ramon, who is oh, not, only, Ramon. not only a dirtbag, he is also... Um, he wants to marry Luida. Um but Lolita has no interest in him whatsoever. Because um, he's, a, he's a bully and trying to use... Because he's a dirtbag. He uses position. Um, and so, anyway, uh, Zorro keeps trying to... Uh, keeps interfering uh, with, with things. Uh, the uh, Politos man, uh, do go to the townhouse uh, as because they still really need their daughter to marry him, even though... <laughs> he has not made a good impression. Um, but they're desperate, so honey, and you gotta while, do your job. And, and, two, and two things happen that start leads to the end of the movie. First is uh, Captain Ramon comes to uh, the townhouse, forces his way in because the uh, her uh, matron is not around, and uh, so he's told you should come back later when she is around. Um, instead, he barges in, and well. Guess who comes to her rescue? Zorro. Zorro! Zorro! Um, and because of this, though, um, or right around the same time as all this, though, it also what also occurs is a priest is who is played by an actor who, I kid you not, his name is Walt Whitman. We looked up to make sure Walt Whitman was dead, and this wasn't actually like an old, decrepit version of the poet. No, Walt no, Whitman was dead. Walt this... Whitman was very dead. Um, but this actor's name was Walt Whitman. And this priest gets 15 lashes uh, for doing nothing more basically than being a Franciscan friar. And Dom uh, Publi uh, I cannot say uh, Publio. Pu 
How, how do you say his name? <laughs> it is Pulido. 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 All right. Brett took Spanish Don, Don Carlos Pulido. Don Carlos Pulido. He saves the Franciscan friar from further lashes. They don't complete the uh, that. And this makes the soldiers believe that uh, since Zorro was found at his house, even if he was the one who called the cops on Zorro, um, and since he interfered with the um, with the fr- with the Franciscan friar, then he must be actually uh, behind all this. So they throw the family in jail. The entire family. The entire family. Don Carlos, so, Doña Catalina, his wife, and of course Lolita. Um, and Zorro does something that's really interesting. Because uh, Zorro keeps talking. As he transitions from Zorro back to Don Diego with his man, and Bernardo, um, he keeps saying how, how he's doing this to fight oppression. And if he can get the caballeros on his side, then they can win. And the caballeros say, all right, sure, we'll go hunt Zorro for sport. Well, Zorro uses the opportunity to actually get them all to his father's house and get them all seated and then shame them all into realizing what they're doing, and he gets them all to stand with them. Huzzah! And then they find out that the uh, – uh, say his name again. Don Carlos? Don Carlos. Don Carlos Polito? Polito. Don Carlos Polito has been arrested and family's been thrown in jail, so they – uh, do a jailbreak, or they plan a jailbreak, but uh, Captain Ramon has uh, uncovered it, and he disguises himself and infiltrates the Caballeros. They uh, do rescue the uh, Don Carlos and his family. Notice how I definitely avoided saying their last name. And they're whisking them off to a safe location, while Zorro runs, uh, runs the sp- uh, soldiers around on a wild goose chase. Unfortunately... The girl is kidnapped by Captain Ramon. The bastard. The, yeah, dirtbag. And uh, the Wild Goose Chase, this is one of the best parts of the movie because uh, Douglas Fairbanks is doing all the stunts at this point. He is jumping over everything, cr- climbing over everything, roof to roof. I mean, it's a fantastic chase with a lot of comedy. Um, and I, as we said at the top of this, comedy and action here go hand in hand. And that is something we still see today in, um, obviously, things like Indiana Jones, uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. The 1999 cinematic masterpiece, The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Wise. Yes, absolutely. It's the 1999 uh, cinematic masterpiece, The Mummy, starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Wise. That's how you should always say that movie's name. Um, <laughs> and you see this throughout the chase. And they finally eventually corner uh, Zorro. And discover, uh, and he tries to switch back into Don Don Diego, but he um, is found out. And they tried to have him rest, except the caballeros are on his side now, so they're not backing the soldiers. And uh, the governor is all part of the, who has slowly made his way toward the front uh, down, uh, down is now there uh, to personally oversee the operation, and he gets into uh, he and a. Uh, Don Diego, but now Don Diego as Zorro, not as the fop, um, do a great sword fight, uh, and he puts, and then finally everyone realizes, wait, why is Don Diego, because they don't realize quite yet that, the, the Caballeros anyway, don't quite realize that Don Diego's putting up a fight because he's Zorro. Um, they've given Don Diego no choice where this is his action, but they haven't actually put two and two together that he's Zorro yet. 
Um, and so he puts the Z on the governor's cheek, and everyone realizes, oh my god, it's Zorro, it's Zorro, it's Zorro! And literally everyone goes, Zorro, Zorro, Zorro! Like, you get a shot of, like, every possible group in person yeah. going, Zorro! And Sergeant Gonzalez, who actually considers, who does consider Diego a friend of his, switches sides immediately. <laughs> and, and the oppression, and now that the soldiers and the caballeros are all on Zorro's side, the oppression is over. Huzzah. Apparently it's easy as that. I mean, and then usually he, that is when a tyrant falls. And then, he, falls, and then he bounds up. Uh, literally, they help uh, where he jumps up to the balcony so he can kiss Lolita. Um, and they have some jokes with trying to hide it with a, uh, a handkerchief and it keeps blowing in the breeze and then they just... Uh, and it, and then it's they amusing. Kiss. And then they kiss. And it's great and everyone's happy. And the end. And the governor has resigned and the oppression is over. Huzzah. Huzzah. Everyone's happily ever after. Uh, so it's really, yeah, it's a swashbuckling adventure. It really is. It's really going and you know, and one final trivia fact, because we would be remiss not to mention it. Uh, this film is famous and important for another reason. Uh, in every version of Batman, uh, this is the film that Bruce Wayne and his family go to see mm. when and leave, and when they leave it, the uh, Martha and. Uh, uh, Martha and, uh, oh, what's his dad's name? Thomas. Tom, Martha and Thomas Wayne are shot and killed in front of little Bruce. They're leaving the Mark of Zorro. And it is cons- pretty, it has been consistently the film that they go to see. Yes, in the Christopher Nolan, they went to see it. They went to see an, an opera. opera with bats. But everything else is the Mark of Zorro. Uh, yeah, actually, now that I know, know that detail, I want to slap Christopher Nolan. I love that movie, but how dare you change that? Wonderful <laughs> little thing. But yeah, so this movie this movie has been influencing every subsequent action hero since then, uh, right up right down to being an iconic part of Batman's story. And and that's another good reminder um, about why we are doing this podcast on silent films. Um, so much that was done in the nineteen teens and twenties, um, and into the early thirties, is massively influential a lot of what we have today is built on those films mm-hmm. um, I mean we every time we've done Lon Chaney senior you know we the the massive line of movies that owe a debt to him is incredible um, and Douglas Fairbanks creating the swashbuckling movie also has a gigantic line of classic films mm-hmm. that owe a massive debt to him. Yeah. And, and as we mentioned, it's not just Zorro films in general, but uh, movies on the high seas, Robin uh, Robin Hood. Oh, yeah. Captain Blood and yeah. Adventure Robin Hood with Errol Flynn are both direct descendants. Very, uh, very recent. They're, you know, they're the next generation after Douglas Fairbanks. Um, and... If you watch even just this movie, I there are, and there are other Douglas Fairbanks action films to watch. Um, but if you watch just this movie, you'll see just how much Errol Flynn takes from Douglas Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. And same for Tyrone Power. Watching mm-hmm. and obviously, you know, I highly recommend the nineteen forty. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Mar- um, Mark of Zorro. Honestly, and to be perfectly honest. It is a movie you can. It's you can see how mu- how much uh, 
every aspect of cinema has come along from a more a more coherent story, uh, more uh, more streamlined villainy going on, more complex villainy going yeah. on as well. Oh, yeah, and um, yeah, and it's this all fairly mustache twirling kind of. And we kind of get the governor shows up on screen early on, and it's told that he's coming down south himself, yeah. and he shows up for the end. At, there's really nothing with him between. You yeah. go, you have the comedic villain of Gonzalez in the first part of the movie, and then you get the more uh, competent and dirtbag uh, that is Ramon, and then the governor shows up at the end. But they're kind of distinct; they don't really flow yeah. one to the next. Yeah, whereas the whole yeah, whereas the whole more coherent uh, characterizations and mm-hmm. plot plotting going on. It, so I, I mean, it's from 1940. It's 20 years later. It yeah. is a better film in almost every way. Uh, but you can't have it without having Douglas Fairbanks first yeah. outing with the story. Uh, and you can see all the ways, though, which, from how he portrays the foppishness of the oh, character yeah. to the, those manner, swashbuckling mannerisms of the ha-ha, you know, ha-ha, sword, stab, ha-ha. And, and Zorro yeah. does something interesting, I think, um, as well, which is he is he is making a fool of all his villains, but he never loses the high ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as I said earlier, he he carves a Z into the rear end of uh, Sergeant Gonzalez, but he also when he drops a sword, he picks it back up. Yeah. <laughs> he, it gives it to him. I don't know. That's fair fight. It needs to be a fair it, fight. Yeah. Obviously. So um, you know, that's obviously the twist that Pirates of the Caribbean put on is that the hero doesn't fight fair because pirate. Um, but for much of the swashbuckling history, the the good guy always fights fair, um, you know, to a fault. And and there's of course something to be commended to that. Uh, the I mean, you see that with any betrayal of Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a sense of honor about it. Honor among thieves. Uh, and also, you know, great a great deal of of uh, of course uh, he, of good naturedness about it. It's like mm-hmm. like. Zorro, oh, while Zorro takes might to hold the governor or and to usually his military lieutenant in personal low regard, mm-hmm. there's often a degree of to the henchman he does not extend that hostility toward. Yeah, that's why Gonzalez changes. And the same thing happens in later editions as well. It's like, oh, it's, oh congratulations, you're in the new sergeant, and everyone's happy that <laughs> that the uh, that the easily manipulated uh, oh, in the 19- uh, bumbling gar- uh, guard is now the in the commandant. 1960s Zorro, which I. I know this. We, in, to some extent, this has become a little bit of an episode just talking about Zorro, um, which is. Fair. But everything, but every rendition of Zorro traces back to this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fact that Gonzalez is who is much less likable than any of his pred- is, of his successor characters, um, because I mean, again, he does beat the crap out of a native just to draw Zorro out in the very first scene we see him. Um, but the there is the roots of the kind of good-natured, outgoing personality who I'm doing this because I have to, not because I'm evil, um, grows from the character we see in this movie. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how they take some of that because they are supposed uh, working on a series, mm-hmm. a new Disney Plus and series. And for the first time, it's going to be... Um, well, I don't say the first time. I think the 1960s Zorro was also actually Hispanic. Um, but this is going to be someone who is 
uh, it's the guy who played Fez yeah. on mm-hmm. on that 70s show um, and reprising that role on that 90s show. We'll see how that long that show lasts. Um, well, what gonna, is his name again? Um, we don't I, have I it don't, easily. I don't have All right. easily. But yeah, Fez is playing, uh, but he's um, one of the first, uh, you know, uh, who's going to play Don Diego as an Hispanic. Um, because as much as we love the mask of Zorro, and Antonio Banderas, of course, plays Zorro for most of that movie, um, Don Diego is Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's a success. It's a story of the... Of the right. Anthony why Hopkins, called, though, it's is not Hispanic. the mask of Zorro yes. that's being handed I know, over. but uh, what my point is, oh, Anthony oh, yes, Hopkins yes, yes. and Douglas Fairbanks... Uh, are in no way, shape, or form Hispanic. <laughs> also, don't don't ever forget that it, it was Antonio Banderas. Of course, it was playing. Yes, and, quite Hispanic. Yes, and <laughs> thankfully the person he handed it off to was Antonio de, uh, Banderas. Uh, but yeah, no, um, I we could go on and on talking about this movie, and as y'all've already seen or heard, since it's a podcast, um, it's hard not to draw, do nothing but draw parallels back to it. But I do want to at least say this about Douglas Fairbanks, is he, the best thing he does in the movie is that he creates a thoroughly unlikable Don, Don Diego. You cannot stand him. Every word comes out of his mouth, his body language is so thoroughly unlikable and that creates that's the really the dramatic tension in the movie is how can he pull this off and get everything he wants considering how much he's pissing everyone off his father his love interest her parents and that's that is a that's a tension that exists in some of the other stor- stories as well mm-hmm. is the the tension between maintaining his disguise and not actually alienating all the people he loves in his life right uh, and that that line is straddled in different ways uh, in the different ones. I think this one takes it much more into running a real risk of actually destroying his own personal life. Oh, yeah, there's uh, one... Whereas in yeah, Tyrone Powers in 1941, mm-hmm. not so much. Yeah, there's a scene um, in there where it's like... At this point, he is in love with Lolita. Um, he is visiting them at the townhouse. They're visiting the townhouse. And he leans so much harder in it. But there's this one moment where both Lolita is off to one side of the room and her back is to him. And her father, who's pissed at him too, is off on the other side of the room, back to him. And he just looks at both of them and there's both a laughter, I can't believe I'm fooling them. But there's also a sense of nervousness in his face. It's like, how am I actually going to get out of this? And it's going to be interesting to see how they carry that through. Because uh, after I mentioned Banderas' portrayal of Zorro, who was not Diego de la Vega, uh, you know, he was the successor of de la Vega, uh, was absolutely just charming, uh, charming, <laughs> and uh, and instantly took Catherine Zeta Jones off her feet. Um, well, did he, he did that as? <laughs> yes, but at the same time, he then undermined himself with his own. He was uh, fake. Like, he his was own, pompous. Yeah, but he, that's very different from being. Foppish and being completely unappealing as That's a person. True. That's true. Uh, he he had an arrogance to his character. Um, so it's going to be interesting. And I'm also and I will say as someone who has been watching Zorro since I was a kid and the Zorro show was on Vault Disney at night. And, so good. 
Uh, so it's like, I've, I've loved Zoro since I was a kid, so it's going to be interesting. I'm worried, given the age we live in, they will go for dark, gritty reboot. And I'm like, I don't want dark, gritty reboot of Zoro. I want I want swashbuckling heroes. I mean, Zorro. given that they've casted Fez, <laughs> it does make it less likely. I mean, that was a long... That 70s show was a long time He's ago. He's literally doing the part again right now. That's fair, but you know what? He was... But Douglas Fairbanks was a comedic actor who then became an adventure actor, so... You never know, but hopefully yes. that will. Hopefully that's a sign I can carry over, because uh, I would like. I don't want a dark and gritty reboot. I want a hero who is a hero who I don't have to question is a hero who I don't have to worry is Douglas. going to do the bad thing. I wanted to worry that the bad guys are going to do bad things. I don't want to worry about the hero doing bad things. <laughs> Douglas Fairbanks gave us that kind of hero in this movie, and we want to see that movie, uh, that type of hero, continue. We do indeed. Uh, it really was a fantastic uh, sw- swashbuckle adventure. Really, one of the places where that whole genre and uh, cliche, if you will, begins. Uh, and as we've talked, it has not only is this film a treasure, uh, it has the inheritance of it has been yeah. uh, a treasure. And uh, and I'm going to go ahead and say I think um, silent films. You know we. We have this podcast because we hope you will take an interest in silent films and enjoy them yourself. Uh, from the, this is the fourth one we watched this year. Um, obviously, we could easily say that Shifting Sands is the one. If you're going to start with just one, start with Shifting Sands because it's only forty five minutes long. If you're not a big silent film person, but honestly, this one's an hour and a half, so it's twice as long. It, it because it's a swashbuckling movie. It's a lot. I think it's the most entertaining one that we watched this really? year. I'm not sure I share that characterization. I think when we get to the end of this little run, we need to talk about how we would rank these six films. We'll do it. All right, uh, so folks, you've heard that. That's what uh, how we will be wrapping up episode six yeah, I, by ranking to, them. To uh, give a rejoinder to that point, though, I actually think Shifting Sands at the moment is might be my favorite because I, I think in it. part because it was so unexpectedly good. Like that is of the films we've watched so far. That is mm-hmm. the one I'm like. I'd like to see this one remade. I want to see what someone could do with that story. Oh, I would absolutely love uh, to see it. In a, a budget today. I, I would love to see that movie done uh, today. We will, again, we'll carry this conversation on later. But um, obviously, people keep saying that about Zorro. Mm-hmm. And have done so again and, and again, again and, and again, again because people keep wanting to see it. So, um, yeah, so, but we'll do a, a big comparison conversation um, at the tail end of our episode, uh, our last episode, which will be with. A movie with uh, uh, Greta Garbo. Indeed. So, but we got two more. We got one more episode before that. We're gonna be doing uh, Charlie Chaplin is our next episode, and then we'll finish off the season with Greta Garbo. And two, two, two of the greats of the era. Probably the two greatest, yeah. And two of the and uh, two of the ones who did succeed in transitioning beyond. Uh, although. Garbo is the most Garbo's successful. Garbo is the one who's most successful. Is certainly the most successful. Charlie Chaplin is a little bit. Chaplin, Chaplin succeeds far more than many of his contemporaries. Yeah. Uh, perhaps all the more remarkable because he was a comedic actor. And I think mm-hmm. in many ways, given the physical nature of the comedy, yeah. it's harder. was harder for those yeah. actors. And to we'll talk more forward. about that, ne- uh, obviously, in the next yeah. episode with Chaplin. Um, but yeah, I think... So we got a couple good episodes, I think, to end the season on. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to them. Me as well. Uh... Bryce, uh, tell us where we can find you. Uh, you can find me at jbryceodom.com where you can find links to um, all three of my books. Um, and there is should be, uh, the plan is that there will be a fourth book later this year, so keep following me 
uh, there at jbryceodom.com or follow me at Facebook at jbryceodom or Instagram at jbryce or YouTube at jbryceodom underscore author. And you can, of course, find us uh, on the next episode that'll pop into your feed. Uh, and, twi- and also our Twitter feed, uh, Silence Gold Pod. Absolutely. Uh, and until next time, I'm Brett Odom. And I'm Bryce Odom. And this has been the Silence is Golden Podcast. We'll see you on the next one.